Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35 34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And welcome to a Football Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show at our Friday home, the Westgate of Las Vegas. No other better place than here, the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house for the next two hours. It is nonstop sports talk, breaking it down for you. A NFL football weekend, week number 11, I believe. Week 12 on the college football side. Why they can't get that together, I have no idea. Why we have to have different numbers different weeks. I understand college basketball or college football starts a week earlier. But anyway, there you have it. All right, so we got a lot to cover on the show today. Trevor Match will be joining us a little bit later on next hour for our best bet segment where we give you our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays. Jay Cornegay, the vice president of race and sportsbook operations here at the world-famous Superbook. He joins us a little bit later on this hour talking about the line moves and one major NFL adjustment with uh, an NFL game with Buffalo and Cleveland being moved from Buffalo to the cozy confines of Ford Field in Detroit. So we will talk about that with Jay. And, of course, we'll handicap the Raiders and the Broncos. And Jay, of course, a longtime Broncos fan. So uh, he's going to be revved up, fired up uh, for that game as well, too. And we talk a little basketball today as well, too, as basketball season has officially begun here in Las Vegas. And it really kind of started this past week where UNLV defeated number 21 Dayton, uh, 60 to 52 in a big win for the Rebels. The Rebels improved to 3 and 0, but uh, this is the season where we get all of the you know non-conference uh, basketball uh, games and tournaments here in Las Vegas and uh, tonight very exciting that the uh, 2022 Roman main event is back here in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena and tonight you've got the Baylor Bears and the Virginia Cavaliers. They will be tipping things off at 4 o'clock. And then the 6.30 game tonight will feature the Illini, the University of Illinois, and UCLA. And you know what that means. Our good friend Tracy Murray gets to join us. That's right. Tracy, a great friend and a big part of the show, especially during basketball season. So Tracy does a fine job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. And, of course, Tracy in the UCLA Hall of Fame and, of course, a NBA champion as well. So uh, a lot on tap here on this uh, football slash basketball Friday live from the world famous Superbook here at the Westgate. TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo with me. What is up, my man? Uh, just doing great in college. Uh, Got to get the NFL back up a little bit. Uh, last couple of weeks been a little weak. A little weak. I know. Marco turned in a, an impressive 3-0 and performance on the college side, but 0-3 uh, 
uh, on the NFL side. And uh, that's what you get here. Total transparency. <laughs> we're going good. We're going good. Not going good. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> about that as well, too. But uh, the percentage is still uh, up very, very high. So I wouldn't uh, hang your head too much, Marco. You've been on fire. I've. I'm a perfectionist. I like to win them all. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't? And speaking of which, you know, I have not heard you do any Trevor Maddich bashing at all this year. And how can you? I gave him praise uh, the two <laughs> weeks that you were at the World Series. Uh, Trevor, I just said, you know, finally got rid of TC here and you're on fire, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing good all, all season. Uh, yeah, you know? he's, he's had some underdogs, too. That's yes. really, uh, and he's the king of the totals. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been coming in with those college football unders, and I mean, like, he puts out an under and they score like 20 points total. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's just crushing. So I believe he had the, the Army game last week, the under. Final score, 10-9. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> 20 points. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, Trevor Match is, is Neil, and of course, Trevor Trevor, obviously a regular on the show, but also you can catch him on ESPN, uh, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, just uh, one of the best uh, analysts, uh, not only just on the college football side, but the NFL side as well, too. But, of course, you can see Trevor on ESPN and SportsCenter on on, uh, Thursdays and Fridays. And, of course, he joins us uh, usually twice a week as well, too. So today, Trevor, of course, will join us with his best bets. So, again, our three best college plays and our three best NFL plays coming a little bit later on. So we invite you to hang tight for that. And if you're here in Vegas, come on by. No better place to be than the world-famous Superbook, the largest sports book in the entire world. I love this spot, Marco, for so many reasons. It's comfortable. The HD screens. I mean, you can get any game you want on here. It doesn't matter uh, what sport or where it is. Uh, you can get this game on. The comfortable seating, the the couches, um, just the, the great lounge chairs. And, of course, as we know, too, that uh, on Sundays, you have Football Central, and you can go into the theater, the International Theater here, where they ha- uh, have the concerts, and uh, Sunday it turns into Football Central, where you get all the games there, food, beverage, betting. It's fantastic. It's a great time. And we're sitting uh, right here. We're, you know, a little bit elevated over the sports book. We got a, you know, bird's eye view, and you can't beat the Westgate in non-smoking. I, 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 I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I wish more places would do that. I know I'm probably in the minority that people like to go and have a drink and have a smoke, but you know what? This is great. Yeah, yeah, because because we can breathe real easily here. Yeah. Exactly, and you know that means also they've now opened the doors up to Numchuck because Numchuck's mm. quit smoking. So yeah. Numchuck, you're invited to come there come down and, and, yes. and join us anytime. Yeah. Who's there on this though? Well, we don't know. <laughs> you actually you actually need somebody to, to run that. I mean, we're autopilot, Numchuck. What are you talking about? I have to be able to turn you on. Yeah, this is true. Well, wait a minute. That, 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 that did not sound good at all. <laughs> I was hoping it didn't. <laughs> uh, Nemchuk, turn off your mic. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Keep it that way. All right, Marco, last night we had the Packers and the Titans. And I don't know what side you were on with this, but Scott Spritzer and I talked about this yesterday. And Scott usually joins us on Thursdays. And him and I both really liked the Packers last night. And we felt that, hey, we both had the Packers on Sunday against the Cowboys as a five-point underdog, and the Packers came rallying back, you know, down 14 in the fourth quarter last Sunday. So they, they had the emotion. It seemed like they got everything back on track. Rodgers looked good in that fourth quarter, and then in, in the overtime as well, too. So the Packers defeat the Cowboys as the five-point underdog. Four days later, they're staying at home, 
and uh, you figure, okay, you know, maybe this is a good spot for the Packers. They traditionally have played the Titans pretty well in the past, and they've always faced them, you know, during the course of the preseason. But the Packers didn't show up last night. It was back to the same Packers that we saw during that five-game losing streak, and all of a sudden, here comes Aaron Rodgers again, hanging his head, uh, missed throws. I know he's got a little bit of a hand injury. He's kind of downplaying that, but that probably had some effect as well, too. But again, not on the same page of the receivers. And I don't know, I was one of those guys that thought, okay, maybe this is going to be the beginning of their second half run that we traditionally see with the Packers. And again, it gets an opponent with Tennessee who, you know, was coming off a, a, a big-time win. I thought there'd be a little bit of a letdown on the short uh, week's rest and everything. But, man, I mean, Tennessee came out, scored in their opening possession, and they moved the ball at will against the Packers. So, same old Packers. It is the same old Packers. I didn't use the play officially with my clients last night, but like UTC, I do how many shows a week, and we always got to talk about the Thursday night game. So I did lean to Green Bay for the reasons that you just said. And, and you know, you got to think we know the Green Bay's had the problems with Aaron Rodgers and the receivers, but, you know, we're getting into the ninth, 10th, 11th week of the season. At some point, you got to think that they start to get on the same page. But you saw it again last night, whether it was bad throw by Aaron Rodgers which I doubt or the receivers running the wrong route they're not on the same page and you see the frustration building again with Aaron Rodgers and you know last night being on primetime the short week playing an opponent that you don't play all the time is supposed to favor the home team Mm -hmm. and they were never in that game it really at no point after the first quarter were they a threat they had I think four shots when they were down 10, that they got the ball to cut into the lead, and they couldn't get a drive going. And it, it's a bad situation, and now you got to worry about when moving forward, betting a team like Green Bay, when you're a perennial playoff team, and you got you know veterans like that that now are going to be in uncharted water, it's easy for them to mail it in for the rest of the season. So I would be you know careful and pick my spots with Green Bay, but on the flip side, Tennessee... This is a team that you look at their record and you look at how they win, and it's like they can't sustain that. Okay, they're doing the most with the least. Now, last last night was a different situation. If you would have told me Ryan Tannehill was going to be the key factor in the game and throw for over 300 yards, I would have asked you what you were smoking because (laughs) that's not the way this team wins. And how many games did they have where they scored 17 points or less this season, but yet won those ugly type of games? Mm -hmm. Last night was different. They moved the ball at will against this Green Bay defense, and that was at Lambeau Field Mm -hmm. in late November when it's cold. We had some flurries in that. That's supposed to be Green Bay's time, Mm -hmm. and it sure wasn't last night. Talk about Tannehill, you mentioned the yardage, 333 yards, the two touchdowns. He was 22 for 27. Yeah. Talk about Mr. Accuracy. And a lot was made about Derrick Henry that the Titans are really going to try to ground and pound here because Henry came off a really subpar performance the week before, and the Packers were giving up you know, over four yards a carry, like almost five, like 4.8 coming into the game. And, but they gave the ball to Henry 28 times. He only ended up with about 87 yards in the game, but Henry was a factor in that game. Oh, no question. When you have a strong running game, it's going to set up the passing game. We talk about that all the time. 
I didn't think that they would use Henry as many rushes as they did last night, being that it was a short week. You know, running backs take a pounding, and in especially Derrick Henry, because he's a guy, how many yards does he get after initial contact? He takes that first hit, and then he keeps going. And, you know, that's why I thought maybe, you know, his numbers were soft against Denver. One, Denver has a good defense, but I thought maybe they were saving him coming back in you know the short week knowing that they would need him more in this uh, game against Green Bay but Green Bay had no no answer and how about uh, Mike Vrabel in the fourth quarter that last drive when there was only two minutes left you could basically run out the clock I think there was like a maybe a 15 or 20 second difference if they just take the you know the knee three times he throws a bomb uh, completes it down to the five yard line yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was like what, what was up with that you know and so uh, yeah I, I'm sure the Packers will remember that play if they meet again next year but uh, what can you say about Tennessee I put Tennessee and Minnesota in the TCU group from college football of Mm -hmm. the teams that just keep winning and finding ways to do it where they look like on paper they should this is a spot they're supposed to lose right yeah and we'll we'll talk about TCU here in just a matter of moments uh, as well as they're going to be playing Baylor but you're right the Tennessee Titans I understand Tennessee is solid in the red zone offensively but you know defensively did not expect them to be as good as what we're seeing, you know, this year. Tannehill, I was always one of those guys that have, have probably liked Ryan Tannehill a lot more than probably anybody else. And I know he had a down year last season, but uh, you know, when Tannehill's healthy, I mean, he's fine. Now remember, Tennessee, you know, did not have Tannehill, you know, for the couple weeks, you know, prior to that, and that was your your, your chance. But they continue to to still play well, you know, with Malik Willis. They did, but again, they put a big burden on uh, Derrick Henry in those games, and he provided the offense. And then Malik Willis had some good runs himself, uh, you know, when a play breaks down. That's not something that you worry about whenever you're facing Ryan Tannehill. Um, You know, yeah, he can tuck it and run, but that's not his forte where you've got to put a guy on Willis, uh, you know, in your game plan. This is a spot for Tennessee that, because of their schedule and because of the division that they're in, they're going to end up with a decent record. Um, and, you know, they could get the, you know, maybe end up with the number two seed. And we talk about it when you come to playoff time. And if you have to go into a place like Buffalo or Kansas City where the weather can be a big factor, having a, you know, a stout defense like Tennessee has and have a running game like that with Derrick Henry, you, you know, we use the phrase, they are built for the playoffs. Uh, that's the kind of team that you want because sometimes those high-flying offenses with the passing games, you go into Kansas City and you got a windy game, you know, 20-mile-an-hour winds gust in January, the passing game all of a sudden is not as quite as effective uh, as you would like it to be, and that's why I think, you know, they're going to be a hard out in the playoffs if they continue to play the way they are. And Packers go down again last night, and again, you know, just two weeks ago, oh, Packers season's over. They rallied to beat Dallas on Sunday. It's like, okay, Packers are back. Maybe they, they win last night. Uh, no, now now we're back to the Packers are done again. They're done. <laughs> they're, they're, there's absolutely no question. If four and seven, they're not going anywhere. Uh, it's just not the defense is not playing good, and the reason for that is the offense is not staying on the field the way it used to. So the defense is having to play more downs, and I don't care 
who your defense is. When you keep putting them out there, you're going to wear them down, and they're not getting any offensive support, so it becomes a frustration both for the offense and the defense. And like I said, now you got a veteran team that, well, I mean, there's veterans on this team. The, the wide receivers are not veterans uh, for sure, but they're in uncharted water, and these type of teams are dangerous to bet on when they're out of it because – you know they're not used to that, and they have nothing to play for. Some of them are going to mail it in, unfortunately. All right, uh, Packers, like you said, four and seven now, and Tennessee improves two seven and three with the victory last night. Let's take a look at the college side, Marco, as we get ready for this weekend's action. Not a whole heck of a lot of marquee games, but bears noting that there's only two weeks in the regular season left in college football, and we've got some teams here that probably still need some work to do. Now, we look at the college football playoff rankings as we stand right now. Georgia's number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan number three, and TCU, the team that you mentioned. And you and I have both been trying to figure out TCU all season long here. They are undefeated at number four right now. On the outside looking in, Tennessee number five, LSU six, USC seven. And this one seems strange, but it's true. Alabama eight and Clemson nine. A lot would have to go right for for either one of these teams to slide in because they've taken some some crushing losses. But on the Alabama side, this is a team that you know is probably a couple plays away from being undefeated. Yeah. But then you can al- almost say, well, maybe they should have lost the Texas game. Maybe they're a couple plays away from losing four games as well too. Yeah. But but still, Alabama, a very very tough team here. But I know there's a lot of people that are they're happy to see Alabama on the outside looking in and. There's a great chance, more than likely, Alabama will not be in the college football playoff. I'll go ahead and say it right now. They're not going to be yeah. in the college yeah. football playoff. And with two if losses, they, yeah. If, it if, if they are, it's it's a travesty. Here's the questions. And you said that there's not a lot of game. There is actually, for the first time in a long time, the Pac-12 has two games that are, are very relevant uh, for this, you know, the season. I mean, and, and it's great for them you because the Pac-12 never gets talked about in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Really, the only um, legitimate team that can crack the, the party for the playoffs would be USC. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a tough game at UCLA. Mm-hmm. This, you know... USC, Lincoln Riley, he's going to get to experience that rivalry for the first time. You know how it is uh, with these college rivalries. You can be a coach that wins, you know, 10, 11 games every season, but if you're not beating your arch rival, you get put on a hot seat. Uh, This is going to be his first crack at it. They're playing with big-time revenge from last year. Do you remember last year's game where I think uh, UCLA put up 63 on them? Yeah. Okay, but it's a different coaching staff, so uh, yes, it's a revenge game, but it's a different coaching staff, but of the four teams in the Pac-12, USC is the only team that has the legitimate Mm -hmm. shot to go, but the Utah-Oregon game, I'm excited to see that game. (laughs) I was high on Utah coming in. That was a team I thought was going to win the Pac-12. Um, Oregon stubbed their toe last week, and I got to think that they got caught looking ahead to this double revenge game. Because if you remember last year, they lost in the regular season. Utah put a spanking on them, but I think that game was at Utah. And then they met three weeks later in the Pac-12 championship here in Vegas, and Utah smacked them again. It's that physicality that we always talk about with Utah. But And that's why I like them coming into this year. But if you've watched the Utah games this year, it's been a, a little bit of a reversal. The offense has been more dynamic, 
in that defense that was stout has been soft up the middle. Teams are running the football on them in, in scoring points, and I think Oregon's going to have success against them. Uh, I'm excited to see that game. You know, it's funny because that was a game that I had circled and was going to put it in my best bets, and, 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 I, and I didn't uh, just because of the injuries that Oregon has yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. That's it. But and Bo Nix, too. He's banged it, up. Right. Now, you mentioned that game, the, the two games last year within the three-week window, and I remember – wagering on those two games, the game in Utah where Utah just drilled Oregon, and I thought that was a great spot for them. And then I bought into that Oregon was going to bounce back uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, and that was not the case at all. Oregon had checked out at that point in time. I mean, he was they, they, they were just totally done, um, and they didn't show up. Uh, you know, Thibodeau, you know, he was already getting ready to cash his, his bonus for, from the NFL, and that was downright embarrassing. So when you go back and you look at Utah has had Oregon's number in the past, now the game is in Oregon, and I had this game circled, and I was going to say, okay, you know, I, I want to go with Oregon here. But sometimes there is a thing where there's just one team that has the other team number, and Utah is such a physical team that I just don't think they match up well. Uh, rather, Oregon doesn't match up well with, with Utah. Even though I'm thinking revenge, the whole bit, you're on your home turf. But because of those injuries and their uh, mix-matching, you know, you're taking your cornerback to play safety and you're doing all the stuff. You mentioned Bo Nix, who's had a fantastic year. I don't think any of us thought that Bo Nix you know, would have that kind of a year, especially what we saw with the last you know, three years at Auburn. Right. So to me, I laid off the game. I'll let you talk me into Oregon in the next you know, 24 hours or so. I, again, on some of the shows that I did, I gave out Oregon in it, and I, I said, you know, watch the injury report. You know, you got to make sure Bo, Bo Nix is going to play, but he's not 100%. Right. Okay. But again, to that physicality of Utah, the teams that had high power offenses, they struggled with. The UCLA beat them, put up 40-some, I think, in that game. And then if you remember the USC game, and to me, that's the most telling game. They went down and got the tying score at the end of the game. Instead of kicking the extra point and going to overtime, they went for it. And you could say, okay, he had confidence. He felt he had USC on the ropes and he could get this play in there. Or you could play the other side of it. And he said, my defense can't stop USC. I don't want to go into overtime. I have a better chance to win it right here. And I think it was the latter. It paid off for them. They won. They got the two-point conversion, and they won the game. I think Oregon will be able to move the football against Utah. Um, I don't think Utah is going to dominate them the way they did last year. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think you started by saying that I don't think Utah is the same team that we saw not only last year but even earlier on in the season. Right. And I think there are some holes with that. I like Cam Rising, their quarterback. He's, he's, he's nice. And, again, I was at the Rose Bowl last year where they jumped out to that big lead against Ohio State. But they just ended up getting worn down, and their defense, which was their strength, could not stop Ohio State in the second half there. And I just think, you know, maybe we're seeing that again as this season progresses, that that Utah's defense is wearing down a little bit. So I'm intrigued about the game, and maybe I will get involved, uh, you know, with Oregon. But if Oregon has any type of pride, uh, they're going to show up, especially at home. But you know, again, you look at the loss last week, and I'm not going to put a whole bunch of credence into that because I'm thinking, okay, it was a look-ahead game. You lost to Washington on your home turf, and they're a better team than Washington. Heck, Trevor had told us 
you know, right after the Georgia game at the beginning of the season, he goes, watch out for Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oregon could run the table. And he was close to being right with that. But the only reason that really Washington drilled Oregon last week was because of those defensive injuries. They could not stop Washington at all. And there's got to be a point in time, especially when you're home field. I get the look ahead. Hey, we got Utah next week and this and that. But you're at home. And then when you, you know, can't stop a team where they score like on seven of eight possessions, then there's there's something wrong there. It's more than just mental. It's more than just you know not being up for the game. You're getting physically beat down. Yeah, absolutely, and it, that's the problem. And in coming into the season, I was like you. I was not a Bo Nix fan. Okay, I didn't like what I saw the three years in Auburn, and then after the first game of the season where they just got you know boat raced from Georgia. Yeah, you know our stock, and that's why you never make a you know a decision based on one game mm-hmm. that you, you watch. You're never as good as your best game or as bad as your worst. And Oregon has played super since then. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people were on UCLA whenever UCLA went yeah. there. That was the popular dog of the week. Every sharp I knew in town was on UCLA for that game. And it's like, that w- I did like Oregon in that game, and it made me like it better. Because when everybody thinks the dog can win out, right? You, it never works out. I'm just sorry. I'm superstitious. Uh, we call it the sharp square dog. And, it, you know, same way the the week that Penn State went to Michigan. Right. Everybody was on Penn State that week, you know, and that didn't work out well Wrong. either. Right. <laughs> All right. Back to TCU and Baylor. Uh, Baylor was shocked. I think we were both shocked on what happened last week in Waco where they got drilled by Kansas State 31-3. I was out and about. I didn't get a chance to see that game, Marco. I just saw the score later. I go, what? Is this a misprint? That was insane what happened. Now, I could say, okay, Baylor's looking ahead to TCU. I, I, I just don't know because Baylor has been on this, this downslide, and TCU continues to win these games. But TCU's won a majority of one-score games, too. They've had a couple uh, you know, 10-point games. They haven't blown anybody out mm-hmm. at all this year. And it's just one of these teams that I just think that, okay, eventually their bubble is going to burst. And so I've been saying this the last couple days that I think, okay, this is a great spot for Baylor. But then doing a little bit more homework this morning, now I'm just kind of a little bit more reserved. But I'm probably going to be involved, maybe on a teaser with, with Baylor in this game, uh, you know, getting, getting some points uh, at home, because I'm still not buying into TCU, especially defensively. I You will hear me talk a lot about this game when we get to best bets. Mm-hmm. I do have this game as my best bet. But going back to what you said about last week's game with Baylor, I had Kansas State as one of my best bets on the show, and it was one of my plays for my clients. And the whole reason for that was Baylor was in a, a huge sandwich spot. They were coming off, I think, the Oklahoma game, and then they had TCU on deck. It was just a no-show play for them. They already were bowl eligible, everything else. This was the game that they were like, now, did I think they were going to lose 31-3? to No, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But uh, they couldn't get anything right, and the game just spiraled out, out of control, which I think gives us a little bit of line value uh, with Baylor this week against TCU. And TCU, let's give them credit for last week. Everybody, including me, said the difference of that Texas game last week was going to be the defenses. Both teams could score. But there was only one defense on the field. Well, TCU made a statement last week, and 
how do they, after that game, winning in the fashion that they did, 17 to 10, that's not TCU football. Now you got to. They got to be feeling. They almost pretty gave good. it away at the end too. Yeah. And Texas had a little life there with the fumble recovery for the touchdown. The, how do they match that yeah, intensity? I agree this with week? you. A little okay. bit of a letdown, yeah. especially on the road against a Baylor team that you got to believe that Dave Aranda is going to have these guys fired up, ready to play at home against an undefeated team. Yeah. yeah so, all right. Uh, we got some intriguing best bets, but uh, no, congratulations on K-State because I remember you and I were on opposite sides of that game last week, and, and, and you nailed the K-State And it, it was a double bonus for me because now I have a push on my season win totals of, of seven with K-State. I only need one more and out of cash. It's like, I can't lose the ticket. There you go. I, you know, my colleague Kelly uh, in <laughs> Vegas had it at six and a half, but she laid like 180 juice on ah, it. She's I a said, homer. Yeah, she's I, a K-State girl. But uh, we were high. Yeah, she is. But <laughs> no, I was I, I was I was yeah. high on K State yeah. this year. Yeah. And yeah. They got two good quarterbacks. I mean, last week, um, Adrian a- Martinez went out. Right. And, and Howard come in and just lit the lit yeah. them up. And, I've and always, I think Howard's the better. Quarterback. And I've liked Howard, yeah. you know, better than Martinez because we have we talked about during the course of this year. You know, I'm always anti Adrian Martinez because I still have you know his eight, year, his eight years <laughs> at Nebraska that he was there. <laughs> what is that guy? 32? I mean, it, come on. It seems like it's been, I do a Nebraska radio show and uh, I every week I say, how could he still have eligibility? Like? Yeah. yeah. Who is that? Winky at Florida State. Remember? Yeah, yep, yep. He, he was there. He was like 29 when he was at Florida State, right? <laughs> Married kids and everything else. Chris Winky. All right. Uh, we come back. Jay Cornegay is going to join us, the vice president of race and sportsbook operations here at the world famous Superbook. We'll talk to Jay about line moves and talk to him about that uh, game that got moved out of Buffalo going to be played in Detroit. That is the Browns and the Bills game. We'll talk to him about that plus a whole lot more. Again, best bets coming your way next hour. Tracy Murray's going to join us as we talk a little basketball as the Roman main event classic. Got a good one happening there tonight at T-Mobile Arena, so a lot on tap here. Of course, it is your Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show at the Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Welcome back on this Friday afternoon. A little football Friday. Basketball, too, as well as we know. Basketball season is uh, in full gear. The Rebels got themselves a big-time victory this week against Dayton. And then tonight you've got the Roman main event at T-Mobile Arena. Look forward to that. Tracy Murray will join us next hour. We'll get his thoughts about his UCLA Bruins in action tonight against the Fighting Illini. Or remember back in the day, the Flying Illini. (laughs) Nick Anderson and company. Yeah, you remember those guys. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Virginia playing at uh, 4 o'clock earlier today against uh, the Baylor Bears as well, too. And uh, the Virginia Cavaliers, I believe this will be their first game since the the tragedy that, that took place. And weren't sure if uh, Virginia was going to be making the trip here to Las Vegas, but um, they're here. They're going to play Tony Bennett's team. So it should be good action at T-Mobile Arena tonight. But uh, we got plenty of uh, football to talk about. And joining us now, of course, our good friend here at the Westgate, the world-famous Superbook, Jay Cornegay, the man who is going in 18 different directions. But, again, that wouldn't be life, uh, you know, of Jay, if, it, if you weren't going in 18 different directions. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very accurate, but uh, it's all good. Yeah. You know, it's just work, you know, getting things done, trying to make a difference, you know. 
That's it. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the NFL game, the Buffalo uh, Cleveland game, which was mm-hmm. slated for Orchard Park. Obviously, this thing gets snowed out, and uh, they're moving the game to Detroit. So now you got uh, perfect field conditions for this. Uh, Buffalo just being, you know, in, in a downpour. I don't think, in even my 12 years that I lived in Green Bay, I don't think I ever really heard the term. What was it? A would they say thunder? Thunder snow. Thunder snow. <laughs> thunder snow. And, and when we had John Murray on yesterday. John says, "I don't even know if that's a thing," and I don't recall that. But anyway, you got so you got the thunder snow going uh, in Buffalo. So obviously there has to be some line movement here. But more importantly, there are some books that will take the game off the board because they, you know, the game not being in Buffalo. But I know here at the Westgate, it is as action. It didn't matter if they play in Buffalo. Niagara Falls, Detroit, Las Vegas, or Qatar, you got action, right? <laughs> That's right. And uh, we, we changed that a couple of years ago, and it really does work out for the most part. It, you know, when when you look at these type of situations, you got to look at house rules, and everybody has different house rules. House rules will vary, especially now we're going nationwide. We're talking about all these different operators. I don't even know if they address it in some of these house rules, but we have. And, you know, it's damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. You know, of course, there's going to be some people that are upset because they have action because they bet the game and they thought it was going to be played in Buffalo. And and on the other side of the coin, you got guys that were betting, you know, let's say over uh, 42 and a half or 43, and now they're betting under 48, 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. They're not saying a word. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. There's always two sides to this story. And But we have uh, we did that mainly because we didn't, you know, there's a lot of people that were upset that they didn't realize they, they needed to re-bet it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like there was more of those than those that bet it early. Luckily, in this situation, most of the bets haven't even come in yet. Right. It's early in the week mm-hmm. or, you know, I'd say prior to the the news weekend, coming out. Yeah, prior you know, to the weekend, yeah. you know, we that's where we make you know accept most of our wagers. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This thing changed on Thursday. We have probably less than ten percent of the wagers okay. come in at this time. So here's my take on this. I, I, I like the Bills more in this game now because it moved to Detroit. Just because you don't have to factor in the weather and the turnovers and all that other kind of stuff. It, it's clear and fast. I mean, you're playing indoors. And for me, uh, I made it one of my best bets because I like Buffalo on, on the fast turf. And I, I think they'll be able to go up and down the field where I don't mind you know, laying seven or seven and a half because of these conditions. Oh, there's no question. When it was going to be in Buffalo and you would be playing in that, the weather conditions, it favored Green Bay in their running game. Uh they had a chance, of course, Green or not Green Bay, excuse me, Cleveland in the yeah. running game with the backs that they have. But I gotta, you know, wonder when there was speculation when they didn't make it official, but the rumor was there that they may send this to uh, Detroit. Did you see some advantage players trying to take advantage of the numbers? Not really. I mean, we were kind of ahead of the game then. The, the lines that we were offering at that time were really built into the most likely that they were going to change it. Okay, so uh, you know, we try to stay up on top of it, and there's always going to be some that maybe took advantage, but it wasn't a wave or anything like that. But I certainly agree with you guys. It's a valid point. You know, when, when you have bad weather, 
it usually favors the underdog because you know the favorite's not able to do the things that they normally get to do and uh, so when you have a bad track like that it certainly favors the underdog that's why when you see these rainstorms and you know it's going to be puddles out there what are the sharps doing they're betting the underdog mm-hmm. yeah because uh, it's an equalizer and to a certain extent now you get out there and you get a perfect track right now you don't have to deal with the crowd noise i get that but you put those guys that have all the all that skill level and all that speed, especially on the offensive side, as long as Josh doesn't turn it over, okay? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we all know that, and especially the last couple of weeks. But uh, uh, it certainly is a valid point that, uh, you know, in a fast track like that, it favors the favorite. Yeah. And it's interesting how they came to this location, and it kind of went kind of quickly too. So anytime you're you're dealing with weather, you, you know, I know that a lot of teams are thinking, okay, well, let's try, you know, home team that gets snowed out or something like this, let's try to get to a, a closer proximity. And wait, why Detroit? Well, Detroit is indoors, okay, but they are playing Detroit. The Buffalo Bills are on Thanksgiving. So now they get to play two games in the same building, so it's really a, a convenient kind of factor for the for the Buffalo Bills. So Detroit, obviously, the Lions were on the road this week, so that the building was open, and they go, "Hey, they're going to be playing there anyway. Let's let's do that." And not too far from Cleveland, so I think it got, makes sense. But I don't even know if they even thought about any other you know venues that would be open. Uh, it'd have to be an outdoor facility in great weather, or it would have to be uh, another indoor facility. It's an advantage going into Thursday for Buffalo. Totally. Yeah. No question. It was, yeah. Whoever, you know, they did them a favor yeah. schedule We keep saying they. Yeah. <laughs> who's they? they? They did this. They did that. Who is who's the they? NFL? Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> we make, Roger yeah. Goodell has his uh, fingerprints on everything, uh-huh. doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. There it is. Sure does, yeah. Okay. But certainly advantage. I mean, instead of that real, I mean, that short week is always challenging for that visiting team. No matter who you are, no matter where you're going, and now they're already in the city. Yeah. They're going to stay right there. Right. Right. Yeah. Certainly a, a big advantage to them. So uh, it'll be yeah. interesting. From a, again, it's a non-gaming issue here, but you know what the crowd is going to be like, and where's that crowd coming from? Is it going to be Detroit Lions fans? People just you know, uh, what are they going to do with you know these Buffalo Bills season ticket holders? What are they going to do with them? Because obviously, Bills fans can't travel. Because they're snowed in, mm-hmm. and then does that mean maybe more Browns fans are going to be there, or are we going to see fifteen to twenty thousand, or are we going to see forty thousand? Well, you know? how far is that from Cleveland to Detroit? Not far, uh, not far. Yeah. just a few hours. Couple, drive. Yeah. couple hours. Yeah, yeah. Two, but nobody three? can get yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, well, and well. the thing about it is, again, you've got pretty good weather in Detroit, so you don't have to worry about airplane weather. You know, you know, travel advisories and all that kind of stuff. So, it should be interesting to. I'm, I'm curious to see. You know what kind of crowd they get there, and what what is the makeup of that? Hey, if you're a Lions fan, you finally get to see a team as a home team that can play. <laughs> that, has a sh- <laughs> that has a shot yeah, to win. Yeah, it's like, oh boy, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. All right, Jay, we got the Raiders and the mess that's going on there mm-hmm. against the Broncos. That the mess is going on there. <laughs> Jay, of course, a avid Broncos fan, lifetime Broncos fan. Who's worse? <laughs> Well, according to the Sharps, the Raiders. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, we took some sharp money early. It was like they laid one and a half, they laid two, laid two and a half, got the three. Actually, I said not two and a half, one and a half and two for sure. And then the market kind of moved up that way. 
and it got to three. Once we got to three, we actually took some sharps uh, money at plus three. Now we're settling at two and a half again. But, I mean, the public, I mean, you should see the ticket count. The ticket count's like 90% Broncos right now. And um, the public really hasn't gotten a hold of it too much yet. But there's, like, dissension going on, you know, in the Raider locker room. That's that's what people are saying, you know, that, uh, you know, in their disarray and, you know, especially whenever you have those type of press conferences yeah. and people are supposedly calling out each other, yeah. usually the public will bet the other team, mm. no matter who it is. Even and though the, this is the Raiders and, you know, they're here in Las Vegas, because we saw an abundance of Raider money come in, and, you know, during the first half of the season, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, people are off the Raiders, huh? Well, they'll... You know, when you're throwing tickets away, I, it doesn't matter who's on that ticket. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're gonna stop betting on that team, right? And so the the uh, the public, you know, they have scars right now. They got scars, buff, uh, Buccaneer scars, Raider scars, Packer scars. Yeah, it Ram takes some, scars. Yeah, Rams. Yeah, they. It takes a little while to make up. Yeah, you're right. Okay. And, you know, maybe Brady can do it a little faster. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can do it a little faster because they have a long history. But the, the Raiders, I mean, there's a lot of fans around here, and I'm rooting for this local team. But right now, it, it certainly is not a public team. Sounds like a bad breakup, Marco. It's rock bottom. <laughs> and when we get to best bets, I'm actually on the Raiders. And I think that if there's ever one game that they're going to show up, it's going to be after last week's performance. And honestly, to me, when things are in disarray, the best thing I feel is to go on the road. Get away from the local media so you're not hearing us bash them. <laughs> you're not seeing you know, the local news. And because there's nothing good to say right now about the team. And losing to the Colts last week in the circus that was the hiring of Jeff Saturday and everybody questioning that, you know, it's like it doesn't get any worse than that. Well, maybe it does if you watch Derek Carr's post-game interview. Uh, that, you know, that either fires that locker room up or it divides it completely in half. See, I'm, I'm sorry, but no, go ahead. The, what you said, Mark, was like, okay, I've been saying that for like four weeks now. Okay. It's like, you know, they didn't get across the 50-yard line against the Saints. You know, oh, now they're going to be fired right, up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, they were criticized to no end, and then they still came back and laid another egg, unfortunately. Uh, so I feel like, because being a Bronco fan this year is the same thing. I mean, this Bronco offense, okay, they're going to get it together. They're going to get it together after the bye week. They're going to do this. You know, there's all these factors, and I'm still seeing the same offense I saw against the Seahawks in week one. Mm -hmm. The Raiders, we've seen the same thing for like four or five weeks now. I mean, come on. I don't know. How much do you put on, on McDaniels? Do you put a lot of this I on put, McDaniels? I, I put a lot of it. I'll tell you why. And see, back to what Marco was saying, normally I would you know, concur with that thought, but I can't concur on it with this situation because normally you have you know, when you have leader when you have a leader okay that's going to you know okay get you fired up make these adjustments going to get into this team make but we're not seeing any of that it is like jason it is the same thing and that's why i view i, I don't see the raiders like oh we're going to get away from home you still got Derek carr you still got Devonte adams who has been pissed off from week number one because again he's not used to losing you've seen the tantrums he's had and you know his quote said it all he goes same old same old week in week out 
And when that is happening in your locker room, you know, nine weeks into the season, and now you know you're out of the playoff race, and then you look on the other side of the ball, that defense, which is a sieve. I mean, you're an offensive player. You're going like, you know, they can't stop anybody. I mean, so, yeah, there's division. There's lack of leadership, which starts with Josh McDaniels. And Mark Davis gave him a vote of confidence, and I get that because Mark Davis isn't going to just pull a plug because they've had the revolving coaches for the last decade, and they're still paying Gruden, and, you know, everything else has gone on. So Mark Davis is hoping for some stability, and he's got to say what he said about, well, I, you know, I made this hire, I believe, but you have to give the guy time, you know, him and Dave Ziegler to get their own players. You've already seen them trying to weed out some of the guys. We're seeing cuts just as recent as a week or two ago from starters. So you're going to stick with your head coach. I get that. Doesn't mean that this season's going to get any better. So that's why I can't see the Raiders showing up. But like Jay said, now my question to you is the Broncos. They've got a better quarterback in Russell Wilson, but people are saying, well, eventually he'll get the system. Him and Nathaniel Hackett will be on the same page. They haven't been. I don't know if they ever will be or not, but what is that feeling in Denver? Well, I'm, I'm looking at both head coaches, really, because, uh, you know, Hackett's supposed to be this offensive genius, and this probably proves to you that you probably should never hire an offensive coordinator that has a... Hall of Fame quarterback, because <laughs> that <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback really makes you look good, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and so and, and those quarterbacks are running the show as well, too. And I just don't even think either one of these guys just has that leadership skill. Yeah, and so with the lack of improvement that I've seen, you know, the Broncos go through, uh, you know, through ten weeks, that's really disturbing to me. Just like. You know, the Raiders situation, you know, we always said, and, you know, this is a personal favorite of mine. I I can always tell a good coach when they play well in the second half, make adjustments, in-game adjustments, and you're able to get the troops rallied and you do really well, especially if you're losing, you know, in the first half, you come back and you play well in the second half. That's the total opposite right now here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really disappointing to me because I thought, uh, you know, and, and it, listen, it's a, it's a short sample, right? We, sure. we, we're only talking about 10 games here. There's a lot of things. A lot of things could have gone their way. They could have been the Vikings, you know, and those key plays go their way. And the next thing you know, they're 5-1, and one, you know, out of the gate. Uh, but it hasn't. And what's uh, really disturbing me is the lack of adjustments, the lack of improvement, not only through the season for the Broncos, but the second halves that the Raiders have shown us. Mm-hmm. It's been the Arizona second half, the Jacksonville second half, and the, the Kansas City second half. Mm-hmm. You can't blow leads like they had in the Jacksonville game. They couldn't stop Devontae Adams in the first half, and they couldn't get him the ball in the second half. Mm-hmm. How can how can that be? Yeah, the other coach is going to make adjustments too. But they totally shut Adams down in the second half. You couldn't get the ball to him. Mm -hmm. I'm bitter. I had the Raiders that day against Jacksonville. (laughs) Well, I had said here last week as we sat here, even though you had a two-win team and a three-win team going against each other with Colts and the Raiders, it was one of the most intriguing games for me because I wanted to see what was going to transpire with the Colts, with the Jeff Saturday situation. And then, of course, everything was taking place with the Raiders here. And, you know, they made the Raiders a six-point favorite. A lot of people thought it was going to blow them away. And I'm going like, the Colts still have a pretty stout defense. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't think that Matt Ryan was going to play. So it was like Ellinger. So I said, I, I can't 
I can't play the game. So I go to the game and I see Matt Ryan warming up. I go, whoa, Matt Ryan's going to play. Now this is really going to be interesting. Matt Ryan looked like Steve Young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he looked like modern-day Josh Allen. And for him on that 39-yard scamper where he just rolled out to the right and, like, faked the pass and you had the Raider linebacker stopping. I mean, it's like, it, this is Matt Ryan that, that is running down the field. He's still two, trying to catch his breath. Thank you. <laughs> two plays later, he throws the touchdown strike, and it's like, wow. I mean, this they look like the Colts team that we thought that we would see in September. And now the Colts got to play Philly, and there's a little more intrigue there too. But going back to Jeff Saturday – What's his resume? His resume is, you know, he's, he's he doesn't have a coaching resume, but he is a leader of men. That's what Ursay said, and that's what I saw. I saw those guys wanting to play for Jeff Saturday last Sunday, and on the opposite sideline for Josh McDaniel, it was just like the body language is just terrible. Yeah, I can, you know, as far as that resume um, Saturday, he might as well put Matt Ryan and Jonathan <laughs> Taylor on there too. There you go, right? Right. right. I mean, we, we, right. That's the first time we've Big. seen Jonathan Taylor since Week One. Yeah. You know what I mean? He looks yeah. really impressive. But again, a Civ defense, which we knew mm-hmm. going into the season. What's disappointing is on the offensive side, and I know everybody has injuries. You know, you talk about you know Waller, and you talk about um, Renfro, Renfro yeah. right? Yeah. You know, that's a big blow. But everybody, I mean, Broncos have true. What? four of their top five receivers out, mm-hmm. you know, so they, they have nowhere to go. But it's real frustrating. But going back to where you said, wow, I thought it was one of the more intriguing games. We've had a lot of those this year, like w- that involved the Bucks, the Rams, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the Packers. We're like, we got to see what's going on here. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's not because they were great. It was like we expected greatness from these teams. And now it's kind of intriguing to see how bad they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to see how uh, the struggles. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers are very fortunate because they play in just a horrible, horrendous mm-hmm. division, and they still have a chance for the playoffs. But obviously the Rams are done. Pretty much the Packers are done yep. as well. No doubt. Jay Cornegay uh, joins us here. Uh, real quick, uh, on the NFL side, any other line moves that uh, have jumped out? We've got a couple of, you know, the Sharps, speaking of the Colts here, uh, Sharps were all over them. Um, you know, plus 9.5, 9, 8.5. I think they took it all the way down to 7.5. Um the, they love the, the the commanders. They scooped up those two and a halfs. So we had some um, sharp play there. Um, Lions. They also love the Lions at four, three and a halfs, three and a halfs. They took that. It's amazing to see the Lions at the Giants. The Giants having one of their best years. And this is what you know. It proves that the record means nothing. Right? Mm-hmm. The record means absolutely nothing when you got the Giants, whoever, whatever they are, eight and or seven and three, three you know, something like that. And um, here they are, you know, only laying three at home against the Lions. Right. I said okay. the same thing last week, Jay, with the Giants against Houston. I was like, "How's this line right this low?" Where Houston's got one win on the season, but yet. They got it, and they covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they love the Rams as well. They laid three, three and a half. They're all over the money line because Stafford's back. Mm-hmm. And then we already talked about the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So they, they laid the early numbers on the Broncos. So they're out there, um, pl- mm-hmm. which makes sense on a lot of these plays. So yeah. we, we, we like to follow that. We'll get the public in this, uh, this weekend, and we'll see how it goes. What about the college side? Um, Anything significant? They, uh, they love USC um, over UCLA. Um, the other one, of course, everybody's darling now, TCU. <laughs> Here it is, right? They're loving TCU. And then uh, the last one would probably be uh, uh, the Utah-Oregon game. Um, 
really split on that game. Those are the three biggest games. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really seen too much sharp play, but as far as action-wise, those are the three games that are getting all the action, TCU, mm-hmm. uh, Utah, and um, the USC you Trojans. Yep, yep. All right, finally, Jay. World Cup starts this weekend. Awesome. Are we excited? I am. All right. Are I'm, you? I'm excited, but I, I don't like Qatar. I just don't like this uh, thing being in Qatar. Yeah, it's, it's awful. It's, it, it, it's terrible for so many reasons, but we could do another show on that by itself. But um, what kind of action and atmosphere do you expect to see here in the next few weeks? It's going to be very interesting to see. We don't. We, this is the first time, obviously, it's been held this time of year yep. against football. But a lot of these games will be at 7 a.m. and 11 a.m. our time. Um, and, uh, you know, the USA games have pretty good time slots, uh, 11 a.m. for the most part. And of course, they play on Monday. They play on Friday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Some really terrific games. But the action's been pretty solid, pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we... We don't have uh, we have liability on the usuals like Mexico and uh, let's see. Oh, you, um, you're fine. You keep that money. Okay. There you go. Yes, US, you're US, fine. But uh, out of the contenders, okay, yeah, we dug ourselves a pretty big hole with Brazil and uh, Argentina. And uh, we're kind of getting out of there right now as a lot more uh, future bets are coming in. Right. But, you know, a lot of people joke about it. It's like, well, who cares about it? I go, just look at the numbers. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. There's a lot of people that care. Oh, a yeah. lot of people bet it. So. I, I better look at the future number on my German team. How, how's my <laughs> Bundesliga's doing? <laughs> what can I get uh, on them? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, uh, they're, they're probably uh, like 7-1. to 6-1. One. Six uh, one, six uh, one. Yeah. Seven G- one? German national team's going to be down a little bit this year. Yeah. So normally I, I usually have a future ticket on them. Who's so. your sleeper? There you go. Uh, you know, I haven't really fully dove into it, uh-huh, you know, yet. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I would just be probably Croatia. Croatia, you know? yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. See, I go Watch. my native land. There I go, go. Germany, <laughs> Croatia. There we go. Canada. Yeah. Watch out for Canada. Yeah. Okay. You know, Belgium basically yeah. has the same team as they did, you know, four years ago. Right. Okay. Which yeah. isn't good. Yeah. That's not a good story. They were really good four years ago. Not so much right now. The waffles are better. Look out! Look out for that Canada team. Plus, goal and a half look, that first game. Look at that! There's there's our tout right here. I love it. A tout. One eight hundred. on World Cup. There it is. There it is. Cornegay from Qatar. There you go. All right. Don't forget to get out here on Sunday for Football Central in the International Theater. Fantastic venue. Uh, see all the games, food, beverage there. It's great, and of course the world-famous super book here uh, any day of the week is fantastic. My friend, I appreciate it as always. Great stuff. TC, Marco, thank you. You got it, brother. Jay Cornegay, he is the man here. Him and John Murray take care of business and their fantastic staff here at the world-famous Superbook. We come back. Tracy Murray's going to join us, talk a little basketball. Best bets coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's our Friday home, the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. The T.C. Martin Show, weekday afternoons at 2 on 1400 KSHP North Las Vegas. Online at KSHP.com. And the flush! Oh, the left-hand flush! It's time! Live. Oh, my goodness! In the entertainment capital of the world. Bring your lunch! It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles! Diagnosis. Look at that! Oh, my goodness! So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. Bust and the hammer for Oliver. We got a five-point game, three minutes to go. T.C. Martin. Got a put back by Walker. 
Welcome back on this Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show, live from the Westgate of Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook. Fantastic atmosphere, of course, our Friday home. you got to love it here, the big screen TVs, non-smoking sportsbook as well, too. Don't forget to get on over here during the course of the weekend, especially on Sunday for Football Central, where you can see all of the games in the International Theater. You have food, you have beverage, you got everything there. And, of course, you got the uh, Super Contest here at the Superbook of the Westgate of Las Vegas. Appreciate Jay Cornegay for everything he does for us here. And Jay joined us in the last segment, so appreciate him. Coming up a little bit later this hour, our best bet segment, our three best college plays, three best NFL plays coming up for the weekend. So we will dive into that. Marco D'Angelo joins me here on Fridays. Good to have him here. Trevor Maddich will join us at the bottom of the hour for our best bet segment. But uh, we talk a little basketball in this segment and our good friend, Tracy Murray, the pride of UCLA, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, and does a fantastic job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. He is, of course, in town here because the Bruins are playing tonight at T-Mobile Arena. They'll tip it off a little bit after 6.30 p.m. as the Bruins will be taking on the University of Illinois. It is part of the 2022 main event Roman Classic. Uh, along with uh, Baylor and Virginia, and they will tip it off at 4 o'clock at T-Mobile Arena today. So, yes, you can tell that basketball season is officially here when we have this, uh, these kind of tournaments or these kind of games in Las Vegas. Right, Tracy? Oh, absolutely. Top, top talent, top teams coming in. Good time. What's up, brother? Good to good to hear from you, man. See, we, you know, I, I leave you alone, you know, kind of during the off season. But now, get ready, man. We're going to be bugging the heck out of you. That's <laughs> all good, man. You know, you know, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I know you are, man. The the as I like to say, the dual resident uh, from from Southern California to Las Vegas, man. So, but you know, you are really getting used to the Bruins playing here in Vegas, man. I mean, I think this is. This is the second home for the Bruins because it seems like every year you guys got like multiple games here. It is, but I'm not going to like it in a couple of years when we become the Big Ten. It's going to kill our games here in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh man, it, you know, you, since you brought that up, man, let's talk about that because you know a lot of people talk about UCLA and USC moving to the Big Ten from a football perspective but really don't talk too much about it from a basketball perspective. What is your take on the whole situation? Well, I have a different look because I came up in the Pac-10. We have a tradition. Um, I think all of our history is erased when you think about it if we jump from one conference to another. It's like it doesn't make sense anymore. Your history don't make sense anymore because we have no history in the Big Ten. But all of our history is out here in the Pac-12. Right. So it's, it's, I have a, that's the way I look at it. I, I honestly don't like it, but whatever you know, UCLA feel is best for them, you know, is best for them. No, you're right. I mean, no, I don't think anybody likes it. Again, especially the traditionalists uh, like we are, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's one thing if you're jumping conferences, you know, that stays on the West Coast or whatever. But, I mean, to, to go to, especially from a football perspective where that's the arch rival, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, I mean, that's, yeah. that's Rose Bowl. You're messing with our Rose Bowl here, man. I mean, what are we, exactly. what are, what are we going to see here? We're going to see uh, a UCLA or USC against Oregon and, you know, in the Rose Bowl? That makes no sense. Come on. No, it doesn't make sense. That's a regular season game. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you might see it because uh, USC is always really good. They're always in the top ten and 
in football, and, you know, you might see that. Tracy, Marco here. A question for you. What do you think about, for football, it's one thing because you're playing one game a week to travel. But for basketball, when you've got two games in the week and you're going to have to travel to Penn State, to Rutgers, to Maryland, that's not an easy road trip. And how do you think that's going to take its toll? And do you think that's going to be a factor uh, for you on those road games, but a big factor as well when you guys are playing at home and those teams are coming to your building? I, I think it's a disadvantage to come all the way over there from all of our conference games. You know, it's, you have your home games, but all of your road games are in the Midwest or the East. And that's a significant disadvantage uh, when I look at it that way. Um, and I'm pretty sure all the programs are looking at it that way. It's not not just basketball, football we're talking about. You're talking about softball. They're going to be playing when it's cold. You're going to talk about golf. They're going to be playing when it's cold. You know, there's a lot of other sports that's going to be playing when it's cold, and they're not used to that. And it's significant. It's two time zones away or maybe three. Yeah. So it's definitely a disadvantage. Yeah, just thinking about that right now. Yeah. Can you Can you imagine that softball schedule? I mean, oh, you know, it's going to yeah. be brutal. Yeah, 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 totally. But I'll say one thing. I mean, from a softball perspective, some of these other sports, the Pac-12 is going to dominate. <laughs> I mean, I mean or, 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 not the fact, I, I still call them the Pac-12, but USC and UCLA, gonna, they, they should dominate, you know, th- those sports, especially UCLA right, with that softball program, man. I, I love that softball right, program. Exactly. Yeah. The softball program is fantastic. But then when you, like, let's rewind back to basketball for a second. Will we have to recruit differently because we're playing a different style of ball in the Midwest? Will we have to recruit like bigger, stronger, huskier, physical, you know, half court, slower down, you know, physical type game? Are we going to have to recruit that type of player? Well, you got the right coach for that. I mean, because that's the way Mick Cronin recruited at Cincinnati. Yeah. Right, and, and being at UCLA, you can recruit all over the nation. So right. um, I, I just don't know if that would change your tactics when it comes to recruiting or not. Yeah. That's unbelievable. We're going to be seeing Tracy Murray uh, just uh, going through these w- winter months, man, all bundled up. He's going to be wearing down oh, jackets man. on the road. I'm not used to that. And you're you're I'm a native California guy, man. I'm used to taking my golf clubs on the road trip. I can't take that back east. Right. <laughs> Forget that, man. Uh, <laughs> Wait till you have the uh, 12 noon Eastern game at Rutgers. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that game when we played Pitt at noon. And they had to come out here, and it was 3 o'clock their time, and we're playing, you know, an early game like that, or, or maybe the 12 noon game uh, uh, for over for back then. You know, it's like that, that, that was tough, man. It, it, was a, it was an early day for us, but they were up and, and used to it because they were three hours ahead. All I got to say, man, you better invest some orange golf balls. <laughs> <You know. laughs> no, leave your club. Yeah. Leave your clubs and balls at home. There you go, man. <laughs> Tracy Murray joins us. UCLA Brewing. Invest in some cheese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, man, let's talk about uh, this football game this week. As you well know, man, it, it's rivalry week, but it, it doesn't seem right because it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And USC and UCLA, they should be playing at the end, man. But uh, we, we got it this weekend. It's at the Rose Bowl. This is uh, this is a battle because we got both teams really at the top, you know, right now. So go ahead and call it, man. What's going to happen? 
I think the loss last week hurt us. You know, I mean, because when you when you only have one loss, you plan for something bigger, and and then to lose to Arizona, looking forward to USC. You know, you got to play every game like it's USC. You can't look past anybody or not, or one week don't bring your game and, and lose. Now, UCLA's going to be motivated to, to beat SC, not only because it's SC and it's a cross-town rivalry, but because they lost the game last week, they got a little bit more extra fire. Mm-hmm. And I remember that game last year, man. You guys put, what, 62 on USC last year, man. 62! That's got to be some bulletin board material uh, across town, though, man. I got to say, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure it is bulletin board material. <laughs> and when it comes down to these games, normally, I mean, we've won a lot of them because we're not a football school. You know, we're a basketball school. So they're looking like, okay, we're going to come smack these guys. And then we end up getting up for that game. And winning. We've had some losing seasons and won that game. So, I mean, it's, it's always a toss-up when it comes to rivalry. Yeah, that is a great point. All right, man, how are your Bruins looking on the hardwood? Well, we look pretty good. Um, right now, we, we, we still haven't 100% got the chemistry yet. You know, it's still early. But this is a really, really good test uh, playing against Illinois. They're really good. They haven't really played anybody yet either. I mean, we, we've... We played at least two teams that's expected to win their conference. Uh, these, these guys haven't really played anybody yet, but they have everybody back. Their experience with those guys that they are playing in the rotation, they have, some, they have two guys that are, are really good, and one's averaging 22 and another one's averaging 17. So uh, we're going to have to put the uh, brakes on those guys. And, and both teams play really good defense. So it's going to be a good battle tonight. All right, yeah. You see, uh, you, you Bruins beat up on my alma mater, man, to open the season. Beat up on Sac State, man. There you go. <laughs> is well, that hey, is that we, one of the conference champions you're talking about? <laughs> no, no. Uh, we can't let Sac State come in and beat up on us now. Come on. Exactly. No, but Long Beach, Long Beach State and, and – um, um, Norfolk State? And Norfolk State are, are the ones that are favored to win their conference. Right, right, yeah. So uh, Bruins are – ranked- Norfolk State been in the tournament. So the last couple of years, so I know, you know, yeah. Norfolk State, uh, famous alum Bobby Dandridge, man, went to Norfolk State. Yes, sir. There you go. See, really good. Bobby Dandridge, a really good guy too, man. Yeah. I mean, we already know what type of basketball player he was, but he was he's an excellent human being. Mm-hmm. There you go. And Tracy got to spend some time uh, playing for uh, uh, Bobby's old team, the old uh, Washington Bullets from uh, back in the day. Yep. But even though yep. you, you were a wizard. But uh, that's okay, man. Uh, I was a bullet for a year. That's true. You're a bullet for a year, as you should be. I, I'm still, I still, <laughs> I, I still haven't forgiven him for changing the name, man. I, I, I'm, Me either. I'm still mad at him. <laughs> I am too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Our good friend Wes Unsell. There you go, man. Uh, God rest his soul. Yes, yes. Three and zero are the Bruins, like you said, number eight in the country. Uh, Tracy, uh, I know, I know you're very objective. You know it's your team and everything, but the Bruins are a legit number eight team. And if they are, what makes them so? I, I get nervous when they put the Bruins up high in the top ten because. There's a lot of growth that needs to happen to reach that level. You know, um, I think I think UCLA has some really really good pieces. Um, they have experience with Hawkins and, and, and Tiger Campbell and Singleton and Jalen Clark. Uh, Jalen Clark's playing really well right now. Uh, 
but but everybody else are extremely young. They're freshmen or, or sophomores or players who haven't had any experience or a lot of time on the court. So when but they're talented. You have talented young guys. So to incorporate that young talent with these experienced guys, it takes a little bit of time. So I don't expect them to be number eight now, but towards the end of the season, they should be playing like number eight. You got Tiger Camel back. You got uh, Haquez back. Uh, that that's nice. Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark. You know, uh, David Singleton. Mm-hmm. So I mean, basically, and they, they're all playing well. Now, you guys got Amari Bailey. Any relation to Toby Bailey? No relation. But Amari <laughs> Bailey's a tremendous athlete, a really, really good player, five-star athlete. Um, he's another one. When you're young, you, it's, it's hard to just jump right in and be who you are. Mm-hmm. You got you to, you know, kind of put your foot in the water and, and feel the temperature up. And, and you're seeing guys, Amari's starting to figure it out a little bit. Uh, Adam Ona is a monster, but he's got to figure, figure out where he can be effective at. Mm-hmm. So you, you have guys that that are, are, are really good and that's going to make an impact, but I think it's going to be uh, from the, the halfway point on. That's when I think guys are really going to make an impact, especially the young fellas. All right, so the Illini you guys face tonight, tip off at 630 at T-Mobile Arena. The Illini, like you guys, are 3-0. and No Kofi Coburn. He's not back. Man, that guy was thank a mo- goodness. that guy was a monster, wasn't he? <laughs> right, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, he's not back. What do you know but, about? But, you know, they they have a few guys that, that are that are really good, though. So I mean, you you have to uh, you have to really uh, lock in and, and and really pay attention to the defensive uh, of scheme of, of, of how you're going to stop these guys because two guys almost averaging twenty a game, you know that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked. Uh, when Mick Cronin was hired, and I think there was a lot of, even going in after the first couple years, there was maybe some question marks or maybe from Bruin alumni's case, is he the right guy uh, You know, with his system of what he displayed at Cincinnati? Now that he's been there a few years, what, what is your overall take on Cronin? And has he adapted his system, his style, his recruiting uh, over the years? Well, well here's the thing. When someone comes in your house and smack you around and plant their flag in the middle of the floor, how can you not consider them as a as, as possibly the right person to bring in? Right. You know that Cincinnati team that he had came in and destroyed UCLA on our home court. It was embarrassing. And and, and you know and, and he has a mentality, a a a, a you mentality, and we need that at UCLA. So. If you have a pit bull at the helm, you're going to have a bunch of pit bulls following him. He recruits pit bulls. So if you, if, we, if you can have those type of kids come in and still meet the requirements uh, uh, for, for academics at UCLA, then we're on the right path. Mm-hmm. You Also, when you have a guy come in at the beginning, uh, that first year and into the second year, you're still dealing with the other coaches, you know, recruits. you got to right, get right, your own guys right. in there and mm-hmm. adapt to right. your style. And this style that he had at Cincinnati and bringing it to UCLA is going to play well when you get into the Big Ten. He's, you're going to be better prepared uh, to go from a finesse conference to, you know, banging it inside with, you know, teams like Wisconsin, like Illinois and, you know, Ohio State, you know, college basketball. It's a much more physical conference, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's why 
the team did very well in the NCAA tournament when he took over because he turned those guys who were soft into physical, you know, make you feel it type defenders. And when they picked up their defense and their physicality to go along with the, the offensive firepower and talent that they had, it was a Final Four run, and it was a Sweet 16 appearance. So uh, he made those guys, he made Alford's guys even tougher. So now um, now he's starting to get his guys in there. I'm looking for great things for, for Coach Froman. All right. UCLA in action tonight at T-Mobile Arena against the Fighting Illini. They're going to tip it off uh, after 6.30. And then you got Baylor and Virginia playing uh, earlier, and that is at 4 o'clock at the uh, 2022 uh, Roman main event uh, tonight in our, our good friend uh, Brooks Downing and company. Those guys do a fantastic job uh, every year of uh, bringing these great tournaments and, and great games in the non-conference season here to Las Vegas. Tracy, before we let you go, let's touch on some NBA here real quick. Obviously, the stories in the NBA are the Warriors and their uh, lack of success thus far. Uh, you can extend that to uh, your neck of the woods with LeBron James and, and the Lakers as well, too. And then the Nets and everything that's going on over there with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So give us a quick take, man, on, on what you've seen early on here in the first few weeks of the NBA season. Well, I, I really don't start watching the NBA until playoff time or when I have to work a game that much. Mm -hmm. I keep an eye on Kessler Edwards. I keep an eye on Jordan McLaughlin because those are my guys that came up in our program. Yep. Um, but to give a little bit of a take, I'm a little. I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm surprised of the starts with, with some of these teams. Maybe Golden State, I'm surprised at their start. Um, but most of these other teams, I'm not really surprised with their start because it's chemistry is everything. And if your chemistry is off or things are happening, uh, you're not going to have any success on the court. And, and that's probably the reason why some teams aren't doing as well as others. Yeah, that's true. All right, my man. Well, we'll let you uh, get to it. Uh, good luck on the broadcast of tonight. Tracy on the UCLA Bruins Network uh, Radio doing a fantastic job, as always, brother. So always uh, get a chance to, to listen when I'm driving around in the car. So uh, good hearing you. And uh, obviously, let's make sure that we get a chance to, to see you here real soon, ne your next trip. Oh, thanks, brother. And then how about those aces? We, I haven't talked to you since then. That's right. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, proud, I'm proud of the aces. And there were some, you know, we have some Bruins in the office over there, okay? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, man. We have a Bruin assistant and Natalie Williams in the office. Come on, man. We got some Bruins over there. You do. You do. And, uh, no, just, and <laughs> you know, not only I tell people this all the time, I mean, it's just uh, the, the players on the floor are fantastic, but – you know, yeah. uh, Nikki Vargas, Natalie Williams, I mean, just fantastic uh, people right. to work with. And Becky Hammond, I mean, what she has done, uh, you know, so, quick, so quickly as well, too. And I give Mark Davis a lot of credit as well, too. I mean, because he's hired some very uh, strong women. He's empowered them. Uh, and they, they had a fantastic season. And they will continue to have uh, fantastic seasons, in my opinion, going forward. Because they locked up, you know, basically their top six players for the next few years as well, too. And, uh, you know, you could talk all you want about Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, but, man, the, the organization as a whole, they have really delivered, and, and people in Vegas, they, they, they love them. Uh, hey, we all love them. I'm happy for them, and, and, you know, they represent Vegas well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Well, hey, uh, good luck uh, tonight, man. Look forward to talking to you quite a bit here uh, down the road, man. Appreciate you. Much love as always. 
No problem. Much love, TC. You guys take care, man. There he is, Tracy Murray, the UCLA Bruin Hall of Famer, also NBA champion back in the day, too, with the Houston Rockets. And Tracy had a, a fantastic year where, a career, I should say, we played over 12 years in the NBA. And again, one of the best UCLA Bruin sharpshooters of all time. All right, Marco. So I know you probably haven't got into the, the, the basketball scene as of yet because as handicappers, I know that we kind of we dive so much into, into the football. And we're going week by week. And I, I know I could speak for myself that um, I, I really start to dabble into it, you know, once we get into the first part of December. And that, that's when we get into it. And then, of course, conference play, uh, you know, boom, we just officially change gears. But uh, I dove into a little bit of it uh, this past week, you know, when I made up my way to the Thomas and Mack Center. Like I try to get to as many UNLV games as, as possible, and they played Dayton. And Dayton came in here ranked to number 21, uh, had a 12 point lead, looked like they were going to crush UNLV and the Rebels came storming back and we had Kevin Kruger on the day after and you know Kevin joins us just about every week anyway I'm very happy for him very happy for this UNLV program but a uh, great start for them and we understand that you know a lot of these teams like we just mentioned with UCLA Illinois they play some cupcakes earlier on UNLV had two cupcakes but that third game was no cupcake at all and they took it to a much uh, more physical and a taller Dayton team and congrats to the Rebels for that victory yeah like I said I know a lot of sharps that were on Dayton big in that game for the reasons that you just said UNLV you know was an unknown commodity with the first two wins over you know suspect teams but uh, I like where they're going under Kruger and for the first time in several years there's a little bit of an excitement with UNLV in you know they've been on the back burner I mean since the Knights come to town, then the Aces, the success they had, uh, UNLV's been a lost lost uh, commodity for what was, for how many years, was really the only sports that yeah. we had in was town. A, was, was a, a staple. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and again, I'm very happy about the Kevin Kruger hire. I, I said it when he was hired, and uh, wish him all, all the best. And uh, he's getting some players. Uh, I think that as you look at UNLV down the road, I think you have to be a little bit careful because I still think that they have some shooting deficiencies. They're a team that doesn't, they're not a great three point shooting team. Uh, they do play lockdown defense, uh, which is uh, very, very important. And it kind of reminded me of like, you know, Tony Bennett's uh, teams a little bit, the way they lock down defense, but good pressure uh, by UNLV uh, the first three games, especially in that game against Dayton, where again, found themselves down a dozen points and they crawled their way back. Uh, battled their way back uh, with strong defense. So uh, hopefully they can uh, continue. And uh, they got a game tonight against High Point, which they're, they're expected to win. And then uh, they'll come back uh, uh, on Monday. And they'll go down to Southern California. So the schedule will get a little bit tougher. They're going to have some tough games uh, coming up here. And our good friend, the seven-footer, Big Bill Carwright, USF team, they're, they're, they're good again this year. So they're going to be coming to, to UNLV and uh, some other teams as well, too. So looking forward to to, to that season and get get out to the Thomas and Mack Center to support uh, the Rebels. I will tell you, they listed the crowd at 5,700. That was loud in there the other night. Mm-hmm. It was loud. And so uh, happy for those uh, 
the season ticket holders who have hung on to their tickets and have supported UNLV because a lot of those those boosters they're they're older demo they still think you know that, that it's that it's 1989 and 1990 you know <laughs> and uh, they get upset you know because hey you know Gucci row man yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but slowly but surely we're getting a little bit more of the Gucci back into it so good stuff there all right uh, when we come back we we'll start diving into. The football weekend, it is best bets time. Trevor Match will join us. We'll give you our three best college plays, our three best NFL. It is a football Friday here inside the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. That's what we do. We go to work. Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m., Yes, it is work. It's a lot of work. Handicapping is a lot of work. Marco D'Angelo will tell you that. Trevor Maddich will tell you that. On fire here with our best bets coming up uh, very, very shortly here at the uh, world-famous Superbook at the Westgate. We're here each and every Friday, as you well know. So, uh, yes, continue to uh, follow us uh, you know, online. Follow us individually at uh, on Twitter. Marco in Vegas and uh, at TC Martin 21, of course. And of course, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. And also, uh, we are on every available major podcast platform as well, too. So uh, make sure you spread the word about that and you can catch uh, the show, whether it's live or on the podcast uh, later. And all the interviews are up there as well, too. Our staff does a fantastic job of getting all that up there on all of your major podcast platforms, TC Martin Show. So there you go. And speaking of the website, uh, the best bets up on the website as well, too. Not only ours, but our entire crew, Scott Spritzer, Gilby the intern uh, as well up there as well. So make sure you check all of that out at tcmartinshow.com. Best bets. It's Friday. You know what time it is. Let's go. It's football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right. Our three best college plays, our three best NFL plays coming your way. Marco D'Angelo, TC Martin, and Trevor Maddich, who is sitting in the clubhouse at the outside of the ESPN studios, who is leading. That's right, Trevor Maddich having himself a fantastic season. Trevor, I don't know what it is, uh, but uh, you have caught fire. You are the king of the unders. Trevor had an under last week, I believe, in the Army game. It was like 46, 10-9 final. He is the king of the unders. You know what I think it is, Trevor? I think it's the beard. I think it's the beard. I, I think it is. I think the beard pulls me towards unders. They pull me towards bad offenses. Normally I reject bad offenses, but now I love them. See, I know people are, when they go to the website and they're looking at our picks and they're going, wait a minute, that's a clean shaven Trevor Maddich that's on the website. We see him on ESPN on Sports Center, and he's got the full Grizzly Adams beard here, Trevor. I, I, people don't know if it's you yeah. or not. Well, actually, makeup puts that green chroma key color on my face <laughs> in the beard area. They project it on there. That way I don't get bothered when I go out to the mall and stuff like that, you know. There it Me is. Me and Elvis, we, we share that, you know. All right. So since you're, you're going so well, does that mean the beard is going to stay forever? Uh, you know what? I, I, it's kind of like Major League Baseball, right? Yeah. 
you you don't you don't shave if you keep winning kind of a thing and uh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to keep this for a while maybe I need to tank a little bit so I can shave it off yeah that's why Marco <laughs> looks like Santa Claus yeah. <laughs> I can't grow it on top yeah, there you go there you go alright best bet time Trevor start us off here on a Saturday college football extravaganza alright Texas laying nine at Kansas and I've got the Longhorns and lay the points they were awful last week, losing as a seven-point favorite to TCU. TCU shut their offense out. The only touchdown that Texas scored in that game was uh, a defensive touchdown for the Longhorns. They just were awful. But this is sort of a yo-yo team. They can be great. They can be bad. When you compare this matchup with Kansas, what you see is a Texas team that has an urgent need to right the ship this week and bounce back up against the Kansas team that is, is bowl eligible. I mean, they're they're kind of super happy. Another part of the matchup is that Texas has more skill players that can make plays. There are just more opportunities for things, good things to happen on offense than Kansas has. And their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who's been injured for since September, uh, the coach says he's really, really close to returning from injury. That means he's still limited by injury. And the guy that took his place, Jason Bean, has done very well, but he's listed questionable. He's banged up. I think you put together the banged-up quarterback position for Kansas and the fact that Texas has more talent, Texas has uh, more need to win this game, I think the Longhorns cover that nine points. All right, now you mentioned the under. So I guess i got to pick it under here, right? Sure. So Colorado State's at Air Force. The total is 42-5, and I'm going under that. And this is, is sort of two principles here. One principle is that Colorado State, bless their hearts, is one of the worst teams in the country. They just can't do anything, really. Their defense is kind of decent. I guess they can do that a little bit. But their offense, they've got a running back that can move the ball. They've got a quarterback that's completing 70% of his passes, but they can't get into the end zone. They're one of the worst scoring teams in the country. And against this Air Force defense, I'd be surprised if they get a touchdown. They might get a couple of field goals. I think Air Force would have to cover this thing uh, to go over the total if uh, if it does go over the total. Plus, the other principle is that Colorado State's played 10 games this year, covered nine unders. Air Force has been under three of their last four. So I think, you know, you put together the matchup with that trend, and I'll just stay with the trend. So I've got Colorado State Air Force under 42-5. And then, because you like under so much, T.C., I'm taking another under. Whoa! I'm going with the rivalry game, the big game, Cal Stanford. The total is 46.5, and I think that one goes under. These are two teams that are largely horrific on offense. I mean, neither team can move the ball. It's really putrid. Neither team has a very good defense either. And that's a little worrisome when you're going with an under that the defenses are so bad. But this being a rivalry game, remember that it's easier to break things than to build things. Mm. And defense breaks, offense builds. You know, I think in this rivalry game, it's going to matter to these players. Nobody's going to mail this one in. I think everyone's going to be flying around. And the bad defense was flying around trumps bad offenses flying around. I'll take the under. All right. Love it. All right. Trevor, the king of the unders, coming with two of them. Marco, what do you got? Well, we uh, teased this one uh, earlier, talking about the TCU-Baylor game. I am taking Baylor plus two and a half. They laid a complete egg last week, but that was sandwiched between Oklahoma and the TCU game. They became bowl eligible with the win over Oklahoma, so they had nothing to play for last week. 
You'll see them play this week in TCU going against them. They cannot match the intensity that they had last week against Texas. Uh, upset City, Baylor. Next one I'm going with, NC State. Uh, they laid an egg at home as well, losing to Boston College as a 20-point favorite last week. I am looking for them to bounce back big, but I'm also looking to go against uh, Louisville in this game. Louisville plays their arch rival, uh, or I should say in-state rival next week, Kentucky, and they're coming off that Clemson battle last week. This is a great spot for NC State. I got the better defense getting points. Uh, I always do that. Their defense is ranked 13th in college football, allowing just 18 points per game. And then the last one, one of the big ones, UCLA and USC. I think we might be going head-to-head in this one. I'm not sure. I am taking the Bruins to get the job done at home. They lost last week. Another team I felt got caught looking ahead to this one. All the pressure's on USC. They have a chance to crash the party of that top four for the playoffs. It's the only team that can make it, I feel, out of the Pac-12. But they're going to lose to this team. That defense is wearing down for USC. If you look at it, yeah, they score a lot of points, but that defense has given up more points every week. And we saw that with Lincoln Riley's teams in Oklahoma. Why? The offense scores too quick. The defense gets back out there for more plays. By the time you're at the end of the season, they wear out. This is going to be a high-scoring game, boys. I'm taking the Bruins. Team with the ball last wins. Total 76 in that game, too. <laughs> and that's not, it might not be enough. It I might not I, be enough. We right. might get to 100 in this. All right. Well, two of the three games on my docket, uh, one's Trevor, one is you. The big game. The 40th anniversary of the band is on the field. I remember it well. Trevor, you remember it because we were back in Northern California. That's right. Stanford and Cal, five trombones and a lateral later. We're going to do it again 40 years later. And I am not on a total in this game. I am on the Stanford Cardinal. I'm taking the Cardinal plus four and a half in this one. Now, we go back to 1982. We'll talk about that a, a, a little bit later on. But this is a little revenge game from 1982 for Stanford. It's a revenge game from last year because Cal beat them down last year. They crushed them. But Cal's a mess this year. Justin Wilcox just fired his offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave. These guys were not on the same page at any point in time this year. And he fires Musgrave right before the big game. Very strange here. Tells you how bad things are on the campus there in Berkeley. I have more faith in David Shaw as a head coach than I do Justin Wilcox. That's the bottom line. He's going to have his team prepared. Stanford is better on both sides of the ball. Trevor, you're right. Both teams are dreadful offensively. They're both horrible defensively. But I think Cal is worse defensively. They're giving up 37 points per game. Offensively, they're only scoring 22. So, you know, Musgrave, you know, he was in charge of the offense, only averaging, you know, 22 points per game. And then Wilcox, you know, he's in charge of the defense. I mean, they were terrible, giving uh, giving up 37 a game. I just don't have any faith in Cal whatsoever. Wilcox is probably on the verge of losing his job as well, too. Stanford is the more stable team. Stanford in that revenge factor 40 years ago. Stanford revenge from last year. Give me the Cardinal, thinking they win the game outright, but I will gladly take the four and a half. Then... I'm going to go over to South Carolina. We've got Tennessee laying 21.5 against South Carolina. Tennessee is on the outside looking into the college football playoff. They're currently at number five. 
They are looking to make a statement. I say they are going to blast South Carolina. Usually don't like teams in this spot, especially on the road, but South Carolina is atrocious. Uh, Tennessee's been blasting everyone who is not as good as them. 66-24 over Missouri. 44-6 over a Kentucky team who was in the top 10 when they blasted them. Uh, they put up 52 against Alabama. They put up 40 against LSU, and they crushed them, what, you know, 40-13. to 13. So, yes, number one team in the nation in scoring are the Tennessee Volunteers, averaging 47 points per game. Yardage, number one in the nation at 544 yards per game. And then we look at South Carolina. They just got roasted and toasted last week by Florida, 38-6. to 6. Two weeks earlier, they scored 10 against Missouri. In two of their last three games, they've scored six and they've scored 10. So, yes, I think Tennessee is going to roll up the score, make a statement here. I'm going to gladly lay the 21 and a half. And, yes, I am going to go to the Rose Bowl, USC, UCLA. All I have to say, guys, is 62 to 33 last year. 62-33 Bruins. Can you say bulletin board material? I say bulletin board material. Lincoln Riley, you better have these guys ready to go. Let's remember, USC is 9-1, all right? 9-1, and one, and they had that kind of controversial loss, all right? They're third in the country in scoring, giving up a rather average of 42 points per contest. And Caleb Williams has been fantastic. Trevor's talked about him before. And coming over from Oklahoma, this guy is the real deal. He's accounted for 37 touchdowns, 31 through the air, 6 on the ground. UCLA can score too. Granted, I'll give you that. But USC, in my opinion, is the better team all around. They're a more explosive team offensively. And UCLA, defensively, they're no bargain. They gave up 45 to Oregon, 36 to Arizona State. 34 last week to Arizona. And, yeah, I know it was a look-ahead game, but when you get beat by Arizona the way you did, man, USC's coming to town. This is going to be a shootout. Marco's right. Probably fly over 76. But I'm going to bank on USC, their defense, getting one more stop than UCLA. I will take the Trojans minus two and a half. There we go. All right, NFL side. Trevor, what do you got? Okay. Okay. <laughs> You like me with unders, don't you? Okay, well, I look at this. I like you with whatever you like, Trevor. Well, you know, I, I, well, we'll see. You know, you, you like a winner, uh, TC. That's right. Uh, as soon as I'm not leading anymore, you're gonna, you're gonna like Marco a whole lot better. Uh, I know how this works. That's uh, a bold statement for me to like Marco better than anybody. I don't know. Yeah, well, Marco, Marco's. Man, I've been following Marco's stuff for a while, yeah. and Marco knows what he's talking about. Hey, you know, our, our, I tend to run this. into a pile for a while and think I'm a baker. Our what? crew is fantastic. Our crew has been fantastic from day one that we've been doing this, going back to 2015. So I'm just saying we're rock solid. Go ahead on, Trevor. Right, actually, it is. I, although we do have to, we do have to make fun of Scott a little bit because he's not here right now. That's true. So we'll do that later. <laughs> uh, so, so, so the Jets at the Patriots, right? So the total on this one's 38, and I like the under on this one. That's a really low number. But then you've got to look at at how these teams, how they win. You know, the, the Patriots win with defense largely because their offense is a, is a rip-roaring mess. Um, by advanced metrics and, and offensive efficiency, the Patriots' offense is 25th in the league. That's pretty bad. The Jets win by not letting Zach Wilson do very much. They want to have him throw safe balls because he tends to throw it to the other side too much at this stage of his career. Run the ball and then lean on that defense, right? 
uh, and against Bill Belichick, his first three games against Belichick, Wilson has two touchdowns, seven interceptions. Let me say that again. Two touchdowns, seven interceptions. Now, this is the fourth game, so you think that he would be really great. But he threw three picks when they played earlier this season, and the media jumped all over Zach Wilson. I like Zach Wilson. He's a BYU guy. I like him. But the coach didn't help when he came out and said, well, maybe the media was too mean to him after that game. Maybe maybe they just judged him for four or five bad plays when I see it as four or five learning opportunities. <laughs> no! That's what you say in Pee Wee football. You do not say that about a quarterback in the market of New York. <laughs> so anyway, all that stuff is pretty bad. But until that offense does better against these Patriots, then uh, then I'm still going to leave with the Patriot defense. Also, when you look at both defenses, the last five games, when advanced defensive metrics, which you won't get into the weeds right now, they're the top two defenses in the NFL. So you've got two defenses that are hot right now. You've got a Patriots offense that is generally putrid, and I don't know. You know, they may they may pull the starter and put in Bailey Zappi again, right? <laughs> Mac Jones, he might, might not make it to the end of this game. So we'll see how that works out. To me, it all adds up to the under. Uh, I just don't uh, I just don't trust either of these offenses to do too much. Now, Cincinnati at the Steelers laying four. I like Cincinnati laying the four. Actually, I like Cincinnati laying more than that. Even though in the first game, in the opener, the Steelers kind of waxed them and Joe Burrow had a bad game, but he had an emergency appendectomy because it burst in the summer. He should not have been playing that game at all. Because of that, the Steelers were focused on Joe Mixon because Burrow wasn't very good. It's a different team. The offensive line of the Bengals is playing a whole lot better. And even though Jamar Chase is still banged up, I think with Joe Mixon, and with the other receivers that Burrow has at his disposal, I think they will cover this and cover it quite comfortably. I get it that the Steelers are great at home and they cover at home and all that other stuff. This is a one-game matchup, and I think the matchup definitely favors the, the Bengals on both sides of the ball, actually. And then, Chiefs at Chargers. This is another weird one because the Chiefs are, are laying five. And I've got Kansas City laying the five. They're better on both sides of the ball than the Chargers are. Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense, you know, is, is really the best offense in the NFL right now and certainly the most consistent offense. Defense still isn't all that great, but I don't really believe in the Chargers that much. And, and let me tell you why. When you, when you look at the stats and what these teams have done, that's important. But there's another, there's another metric that's important, and that's strength of schedule. The Chargers have done what they did against the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Chiefs have done what they've done against the hardest schedule in the NFL. And the Chargers are just banged up. I mean, badly, badly banged up. I mean, there's a lot been said about their receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, you know, Allen's got a hammy, Williams has got an ankle, and they've missed a couple of games, and they've been practicing this week. We'll see how they are. But I don't think they'll be 100%. Their defensive line, the Chargers, is also banged up. And this whole team just has a whole bunch of banged up problems. And the Chiefs are coming in there on a roll, on a hot roll. And I think the Chiefs are going to cover that five again rather easily. All right, there it is. Trevor Maddox coming strong. Marco D'Angelo, what do you got in the NFL? All right, I'm going to start with the first one, Dallas at Minnesota. You've got the 8-1 and one Vikings. They're an underdog at home. What's going on with that? It's a trap. I'm going to tell you why. Minnesota's 8-1. and one. They've played two teams. They've only beaten two teams with a winning record. One was Miami. Tua was out. 
The other one was last week against Buffalo, and we saw how that unfolded and how lucky they were to get that win. I'm going with Dallas in this one. Next one, Trevor, we agree. I'm on Cincinnati with you, my friend. They're going against my Steelers, but you didn't mention the most important factor of why Cincinnati's going to win this game. The Steelers are 2-0 this year when the Pigeons land on the playing field. <laughs> this game has been moved to 425. It was oh, going to be the no. night game. It's 425. That's right. Yeah. And the Steelers actually checked with the Pittsburgh Aviary. Yeah. Pigeons will not land that late. So oh. no Pigeons. Oh. We're safe. Cincinnati lay it. <laughs> I tell you. Love it. I, I hate watching a football game where Pigeons are on the field. Now, squirrels I can tolerate. The squirrel Lambeau Field, outstanding. Lives right underneath. They had a buffet at the 50-yard line. Grass yeah. thing, man. So, well, well, again, Heinz Field, and what do you expect? It's a short... Or, or whatever or you say, call whatever, it now. Yeah, nah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Ketchup Field, whatever yeah. it is. Okay. Third play we're going with is we're going to take those Las Vegas Raiders. Uh-oh. I am. They're going to circle the wagons <laughs> like the Buffalo Bills here because this is it. If they don't win this week... TC, they are on the auto fade the rest of the season. If this team, this team was embarrassed last week, they were the laughing stock of the NFL, losing to the Colts in Jeff Saturday. Everybody made a big deal about how bad that was going to turn out for the Colts, and they took it to the Raiders. And let's be honest, Denver's offense can't do anything. Take the Raiders plus the points, and I'm going to have them on a couple teasers too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Update and a half. Wow. Okay. Marco, gutsy call there. Well, they have owned the Raiders. You know, they've won, what, uh, what six of the last seven. All right, guys. Uh, you want to talk about trap games? And Jake Cornegay brought this game up, too. I looked at it, and I said, nah, it can't be a trap. Giants against the Lions. Giants only laying three in the Meadowlands. Great spot for New York. Detroit dead last in defense in just about every category. Not going to be very good facing Saquon Barkley. Detroit offense with Jared Goff, yeah, he's going to be seeing a lot of Dexter Lawrence because Dexter Lawrence has been unstoppable for the Giants. He's a one-man wrecking crew. Look out, Lions. Look out, Lions offense. Look out, Jared Goff. Uh, Detroit, is uh, their offense is actually coming back to earth. Two of their last three games on the road, they scored zero at New England. They scored six at Dallas. They only scored 15 at home against Green Bay two weeks ago. You guys remember that? Last week, I'm going to throw it out the window. Yeah, they scored 31 points, but that was against the lowly Chicago Bears. All right, and, and 21 of those points came in the fourth quarter late in the game. I think it's a great spot for the Giants. They're playing good good football. They are relevant here in the, at the end of November. Take the Giants, lay the three. Buffalo and Cleveland. The Bills lost two in a row. Not going to be three, especially against Cleveland, and especially since the game is not in snowy conditions. I understand both the, the Bills are leaving their home in Orchard Park, but I love the fact that they're going to be go, playing to Detroit because – it's indoors. It's clear and fast. Buffalo might score 45 or 50 in this game against the Browns' defense. Yes, I really believe that this is a great spot for Buffalo. Uh, Josh, uh, uh, whatever his name is, Josh Allen. Is, <laughs> got Josh McDaniel in my mind. You got this Raider thing going on. Uh, yes, Josh Allen, uh, he was kind of a nightmare last week, right? Uh, especially at the end. But uh, look for him to take care of business. Bad news for the Brownies this week. The Bills are very aware of blowing second-half leads. That's not going to happen this week. And again, the game in Detroit, 
lay the seven, seven and a half, whatever it is, with the Bills against Cleveland. And remember, Buffalo, they're going to be very comfortable because they're staying in Detroit. The reason why this game is in Detroit because Buffalo has Thanksgiving Day game against the Lions. So now they're going to play two games in the same building within a five-day span. So go, go, Buffalo. All right. And uh, I'm with Trevor here. Kansas City against the Chargers. I love KC on the road because you get value with, with Kansas City. You're only laying five here, and they are a very good road team. They scored 44 at San Francisco. They scored 41 at Tampa Bay. And it's just going to feel like a home game because we know that the Chiefs are going to have more fans in the stands at SoCal Stadium than the Chargers are. So here's another key note here. Keenan Allen hasn't basically played all year. He's listed as questionable, probably doubtful. The Chargers have 19 players listed on their injury report. All right? Obviously, their wide receiving core is depleted. Joey Boza is out. Casey, by more than a touchdown, no problem. Not worried about it. I'll take the Chiefs in this one. All right? Those are our best bets. Trevor Match, my man, I like your picks, man. I like your picks. Any other closing thoughts? Hey, Casey, yeah, my closing thought is this. The lowly Chicago Bears. You call them the lowly Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway. <laughs> yes. The lowly Chicago Bears. The, the shuffling crew. Jim McMahon, Refrigerator Perry, Sweetness, the lowly. Oh, it breaks my heart that you're right. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's your closing oh, thought. I feel terrible about that. You feel terrible about that. The lowly Chicago I do. Universe. All right. I feel awful about that. All right. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate uh, you joining us again. We will talk to you next week, my friend. So good luck with the picks. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Marco. There he is. Trevor Maddich. You can catch Trevor, of course, on ESPN on SportsCenter. And, of course, he'll be doing the marathon on the radio side uh, coming up uh, tomorrow as well, too. All right. So we're going to close out the show talking about the big game. That's right. The 40th anniversary of a game that I remember so well in 1982. The band is on the field. Here we go with the kickoff. He'll probably try to squib it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rodgers along the sideline. Another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rodgers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to the end zone. Will it count? The Bears have scored, but the band's are out on the field. There were flags all over the place. Everybody's milling around on the field. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game over Stanford. Oh, excuse me for my voice, but I have never, never seen anything like it in the history of I've ever seen any game in my life. The Bears have won it. There will be no extra points. The big game, 1982, Cal wins 25-20. to 20. Uh, Memorable game. Marco, you've, I know you've seen the highlights or whatever, but, you know, Trevor and I being Northern California guys, we remember that. And uh, there were quite a few players that were in that game. John Elway, 
obviously the quarterback of Stanford. Uh, Gail Gilbert was the quarterback for Cal. Rod Gilmore, who does great work with ESPN, he was on that Stanford team as well too. Ron Rivera, the coach of the Commanders, he was part of uh, in that game with Cal. Uh, Emil Harry, Dwight Gardner, yeah, and Joe Starkey, who was the announcer there for the Cal Golden Bears, still is the announcer. Joe Starkey retiring after this game. He is calling his last big game and 40 years for Joe Starkey, one of a, a barrier legend. So uh, great career for Joe Starkey. All right, I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us uh, today. Of course, Trevor Maddich, Jay Cornegay here from the Westgate. Marco, thank you very much, my friend, and good luck to you this weekend. Appreciate it. All right, uh, we're back at it again Monday. Make sure you join us. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. The best bets are up on the website. You can see all of our picks up there as well as uh, Scott Spicer and Gilby the intern, our entire crew and our staff. All right, have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy everything. We're back at it on Monday. And remember, have yourself a glorious weekend.